I will give you a choice to have an empty life or a worthy death. That's what the Mandarin says to Tony Stark in the newest Iron Man 3 trailer. If you haven't seen the new Iron Man 3 trailer yet, you need to see it now, papi. All I'm going to say is one word. Hulkbuster. Buster. And so yeah, as 2013 begins to unravel, there is a lot of movie buzz. A lot. So first, let me do some Hulkbusting of myself and tell you that Joss Whedon has Hulk busted the rumors of Avengers 2 being based on Planet Hulk. It's all rumors, fellas, so don't pay attention to any of it. However, Kevin Feige at Marvel Studios has Hulk busted out some insight into Marvel Phase 2. In short, Thor 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy will deal with all the cosmic stuff, while Captain America 2 and Iron Man 3 will be more about character development. While we talk Marvel, new images from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 are out. The new costume is very classy, to say the least. I personally like it. He has bigger bug eyes. <laughs> and one last Marvel thing for the road. Two new castings for X-Men Days of Futures Past. Peter Dinklage, a.k.a. The Imp, from Game of Thrones, will play Bolivar Trask, the dude who invented the Sentinels. And Halle Berry, Halle Berry will come back as Storm. There's also a rumor that Bishop may be in the movie, but we'll see how that goes in the Days of Futures Past. Okay, so now let's move on to another galaxy far, far away. And no, not the Guardians of the Galaxy. Star Wars. Carrie Fisher has confirmed that she will be in Episode 7, reprising her role as an elderly Leia, gold bikini and all. <laughs> Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford are in the talks, but they haven't confirmed anything yet. But if you do want some Han Solo solo, Harrison Ford will be in Anchorman 2, playing a legendary, a legendary one might even say Yoda-like, Anchorman to Ron Burgundy's Luke Skywalker. Talking about old dudes who once played iconic heroes, check this out. Michael Keaton is said to play an aging actor who once played an iconic superhero in a Broadway play. Sound familiar? Well, then you must be remembering the good old days when a good old curly-haired butt-chin Michael Keaton was Batman. Those were the days. However, Christian Bale is in talks to come back as the Cape Crusader in DC's upcoming Justice League movie, possibly set for 2015. Warner Brothers Studios allegedly wants the film to be set in the same universe as Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy and Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. So, in theory, we may have Christian Bale as Batman and Henry Cavill as Superman in the same movie. Oh, oh, <laughs> I think I just geeked my pants thinking about it. Talking about sequels, Resident Evil 6 has set a release date for September 12, 2014. Yes, that's right, Resident Evil 6. There's going to be a Resident Evil 6. Damn, I'm getting old. Did anyone say Vin Diesel? Because I could have sworn I heard someone say Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is set to star as the witch hunter. Rick Eisner is the last witch hunter. The story follows an immortal witch hunter who teams up with a female witch to stop the witches of New York City from unleashing a witch plague on humanity. Vin Diesel can also be seen in the next Fast and Furious 6. Yes, there will also be a Fast and Furious 6 and the newest Riddick. Which movie will I see? We'll have to see in the days of Futures Past. If you do like horror movies, the most terrifying film you will ever experience comes out in on April 5, and that self-claimed most terrifying film is Fede Alvarez's remake of Evil Dead. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were involved as producers, so it looks pretty promising. If you do want to get a sneak peek, they'll be pre- they will be premiering it at South by Southwest in Austin. Geek out shoutouts to my people at the Fader Ford out there. Craziest party at South by. And lastly, I want to give another geek out shout out to Peter Jackson because The Hobbit has joined the Billion Dollar Dollar Bala Club. The fantasy film is the 15th film of all time to exceed $1 billion worldwide. Since we're talking money, let's talk tech. Apple is allegedly setting release dates for its next generation of iDevices. According to iMore, the iPad 5 may be out as soon as April 5, and the iPhone 5S could be out as early as August. Well, at least that's what I heard. I read. I know. I stupid. <laughs> In video games, box art on Amazon has confirmed that the next Assassin's Creed 
entry will be called Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Ubisoft, or Ubisoft, did confirm the leak. Not many details are known yet, but if you check out the box art, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag will involve pirates and Henry Rollins. Finally, for you aspiring writers out there, DC Entertainment and Capstone are sponsoring a superhero-inspired writing contest for fans in grades 3 to 6, or for those ringer parents who want to write an essay for their children. The contest encourages children to write about a real hero in their lives. Tell them what they win, Joel! The first place winner will receive a VIP trip for four to two or Warner Brothers, Animation Studios, and DC Entertainment offices, and other unique prizes. The hero described in the winning essay will receive $2,500 to Donate to the charity of his or her, of his or her choice. <laughs> to enter, visit CapstoneSuperhero.com. The deadline is March 15th. And one more thing. WonderCon is at the end of this month, March 29, 30, and 31. And we will be covering that show live. So for all you guys, you know, you can check me out in person, geeking out all over the place. Just another reason why not to go to WonderCon. Anyways, this concludes this week's Geeking Out with Y'all <laughs> for the week. Uh, feel free to hit me up. My email is joel at thegeekspeakshow.com or you can find me at Twitter at Joel Jepitana. Till then, as Mr. Freeze once said, Jill, Jill, Jill. We interrupt this program to bring you important news. Now, let's take a look at your life, shall we? You get called geeks, you get cleaned out, girls don't even look at you. I thought this was supposed to make us feel better. Hold on, Cool Breeze, it gets better. What? I'm accepted at a Ivy League college? Hey, chicks dig smart guys. Who knew? Whoa, look at me. I'm the head of a Fortune 500 company. And yes, Mr. Jock who cleaned me out, I will have fries with that. Wait, no, that's like a long time from now. We have to put up with this for another three years. That's why you have to learn to enjoy the simple pleasures of life. God bless the geek. Hey, you came back this week. Okay, then, let's speak more geek. <laughs> This is the Geek Speak Show. Get ready to speak geek. Featuring interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. I'm a fact sheet. Hey, this is Todd McFarlane. I'm Zach Whedon. Hi, this is George Scienti. The Geek Speak Show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, GameTyrant.com, MightyVille.com, Ramascreen.com, and Zergnet.com. Geek is spoken here. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching it with your ears. Oh, you just listen. Here are the hosts of the Geek Speak Show, Henry San Miguel and Rachel Rossini. Geek is spoken here and Hutties and Klingon and everything else in between. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Hey, Rachel. Hey. So you had a few adventures in TV land. We do our TV talk. We'll do it in just a few minutes. Uh, uh, get the whole gang in here. But uh, tell everybody what, what, what I'm talking about. You weren't in the TV. You didn't reenact Poltergeist. What, what, what am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, I did not do that. That would be really scary. Um, but I did have an awesome adventure, uh, which consisted of going to a Paley Fest panel uh, for the Revolution TV show. Um, and of course, uh, which I have been defending Revolution all along and all you guys out there talking about whatever. Wait, wait were you the else. only one in the audience? No, I was not, okay, actually. And checking. there was people <laughs> that were very, very excited about it, which was awesome. So forget you guys. And um, But the best part about this, of course, was that Mr. J.J. Abrams was there. Who? So, I heard of him. Uh, of course you haven't. But uh, for the rest of us that uh, would fall over dead, which is almost what happened, uh, definitely ran over to L.A. Uh, and went to Paley Fest. And um, it was really cool because when you walked in, they had like the press lineup. Um, and so you could see everybody kind of standing there and it was like, he's oh, standing right there. You know, one of those nerding out moments. Um, and uh, actually, remember how I mentioned there's the, you know, the pretty one, J.D. Pardo on Revolution? Yeah. Well, he was there too. So I got a picture with him, which I'm going to tweet so you guys can see because, you know, it's awesome. Uh, and then uh, they did the, the panel. And uh, just for you too, Henry, since how you mentioned that the first couple episodes were kind of slow and... I think Joel said something about that, too. They acknowledged that in the panel and mentioned that the next half of the season, of course, uh, is not going to be that way. So you should start watching it. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> last year, Terra Nova did the same thing. It started off kind of slow. We even talked to some of the uh, the, uh, the effects people who do the, uh, the dinosaurs. They sped it up a little, but then it got canceled. So let's hope Revolution, the same thing doesn't happen to them. Well, yeah, let's hope not. 
Um, but anyway, the, the coolest part, of course, was uh, afterwards, a lot of the actors and, and people um, started signing autographs for people as they like rushed over to the stage. So I was like, well, I'm going to do that. So I ran over there and I, of course, I'm trying to get J.J. Abrams. So I have my ticket in my hand and I'm trying to reach over everybody like, pick me, pick me. Um, so finally he picks my ticket to sign. And the whole time I'd been thinking, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to say to him? Right. Cause you don't really want to be like the douchebag that says something about star Wars when it's, you know, for a revolution. But at the same time, how can you not? So this is what I said. I said, we're counting on you for episode seven. And he stops signing, looks at me and goes, thank you. You're such a sweetheart. And I went, eh. and it was awesome. You should have told him, hey, I got lost. It was a good ending. He would have said, <laughs> well, yeah, thanks. Yeah, but that's, that's what's going on. That The Paley Fest, like I said, is all TV, all the TV shows. The biggest, um, one of the biggest panels there besides Revolution, because some guy named JJ was there. But the other biggest uh, panel that was there uh, was another friend of ours, Chris Hardwick. He, he was uh, moderating the, the Walking AMC, he's the Walking Dead. The walking, the, uh, the walking Dead panel was there also. Half the cast, actually most of the cast was there, including the governor, um, they gave a few hints about what's coming up in season three and possibly in season four. I won't spoil it, so you don't have to turn away or anything. Rachel, I know you wouldn't have gone there because you don't like zombie stuff. I'm telling you, you got you got to sit with us and watch this thing. You you will love it. it yeah, it's got a you know, it's a little bit a little bit scary, but if you love good stories and 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 things like that, which I do, this this is it. This is the one for you and great effects too. So that was going on. Uh, when did that happen? Last week or when was it? The Paley yeah, Fest. Yeah, that was last. Yeah, it was. It was last week. Feels like we haven't been here in twenty months, uh, but we are here, and it is March now as we record this, which means convention season just kicked off. Yeah, uh, it's gonna finish off this month with the big one. We're we're gonna be there, and most of you will be there. All uh, I'm assuming WonderCon Anaheim 2013. We will be there covering it all for you. But this weekend, we just had last weekend actually in uh, in Seattle. Emerald City Comic Con that 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 happened over there, uh, March eight to ten, which is this weekend. All Con in Dallas happens. Uh, also this Saturday, one day only, Roanoke Valley Comic Con that's in Salem, Virginia, San Jose, right here in the Bay Area. We have the Super Toy and Comic Book Convention thing going on March 9th and tenth. That's two days, and of course, like I said, WonderCon is at the end of this month. One of the big things that happens in these conventions. Is you get trampled by all the people there. But besides that, one of the big things that happens is you got to dress up. And I'm not talking about you going do. naked or anything. You got to cosplay. Rachel, you're please, a, what? Please don't go naked, guys. Please. Let's, let's not. Well, it depends on what you look like, too. But <laughs> uh, Rachel has done that. She does it at the celebrations. You're planning on doing it for WonderCon. You, you mentioned what you might be. We're not going to say what it is. You're going to have to nope. look for it when we get there. But I'm going to take a little break right now. We're going to do a quick... Actually, not that quick. It's a pretty long interview. Mark Arnold, usually his interviews are usually five, six minutes. His stories behind the stories, like most features on the show are. This one's pretty good, actually. So I'm going to let the whole thing play. It's like 16 minutes, something like that. It's pretty good, though. So he's talking to one of the animators from the shows that we, the geeks, grew up watching, like Super Friends, Scooby-Doo, shows like that. Uh, so listen to that. You'll get some... Well, the stories behind the stories on those. And when we come back, Rachel and I will talk dressing up. Cosplay. Yes, cosplaying at conventions. There you go. Stay right there. The stories behind the stories with Mark Arnold, exclusively on the Geek Speak Show. And this is historian Mark Arnold with another installment of the stories behind the stories. And today we're interviewing Daryl McNeil. And uh, Daryl McNeil is known as an animator. And he's worked on various animated TV shows, including Super Friends, Pac-Man, Jim, Mighty Mouse, Ghostbusters, James Bond Jr., and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, among others. And he's also written the book Alex Toth by Design and Animation by Filmation. Uh, thank you for uh, doing the show today, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into animation. Okay, well, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, basically, what it was when I was a kid, I grew up as a kid, and I watched a lot of television, like most people do, and I wanted to get into comic books when I was a kid. My dad used to say that when I was two years old, I would go through the daily paper and tear up everything and eat everything but the funny section. And so he never got the sports scores. He never knew whether the Lakers won or not, like <laughs> I really cared, being two years old. Um, as I grew up, though, I wanted to get into comic books. I really, really did. I, my grandmother had gotten me, and I still have it. I'm sitting in my bedroom, 
looking at the very first comic book I ever got, which was a Superman that she that she gave me, with Lois Lane on the cover. The it was an imaginary story. What if Krypton? Um, ex, what if Earth exploded into the Krypton and Lois Lane got sent there, became Supermaid? <laughs> and so, considering my love of superheroes, it's kind of a subliminal thing of being a Superman book. But what happened was that I wanted to get into comic books, comic books, comic books. I became a child actor, um, became a background extra. I saw an ad that was in the, um, in the paper that said, you know, you can be on TV. I wanted to be on TV with this face and this nose and pizza, everything else, pizza face. I had acne back then. I got <laughs> on television. My first job was doing a show called Cowboy in Africa. I, was a, I tried out for the lead, and lead boy anyway, and didn't get it. And the guy, Gerald Edwards, who did get it, I became his stunt boy. Wow. Which is ironic because we ended up working together on Fat Albert like 20 years later. But that's you know, skipping ahead of the story. He was weird. He was he was the voice of weird hair when I was with the animators on it. But that's all skipping ahead way far. Okay. So what happened? And it's funny because I met a girl around that time who tried out a couple years later for the role of Marsha on the Brady Bunch. I didn't get Calvin Africa role because I was two inches too tall for it. She didn't get Marsha because she was two inches too short for it. Mm-hmm. If you can understand, but anyway, so what happened to get it? I, I'm getting to. I get to the point. Having a conversation with me is like going from L.A. to Santa Monica via Cedar Rapids. You get there eventually. But what happened was that I, um, I got, I fell in love with. Well, what happened? That was when in '66 when Fred Silverman decided to go ahead and put, you know, come up with a new Saturday morning schedule of cartoons and whatnot. And he put Superman, and he put, you know, Frankenstein Journey the Impossible, Hanna-Barbera, one of my all-time favorite shows. Mm-hmm. And another one was Space Ghost and Dino Boy. When I saw Space Ghost, I said, yeah. I want to do that for a living. I want Batman to fly through the air, shoot neat blasts out of his, you know, out of his hands, and have a deep, resonant voice like Gary Owens. And that's <laughs> what I wanted to do. But more so, I want to do Space Ghost growing up. I want to do it with Gary Owens. I want to do it with Alex Toth. And I got to do all three. Wow. <laughs> So essentially what happened was that I, I started drawing, learning how to draw, doing my own drawing, doing my own comic books, things like that. And then when I got out of high school, Western to high school in 75, I was told by my mom, either go to school or get a job. Being I'm lazy, I decided to go ahead and go to school. So I <laughs> went to one class at Cal State Long Beach and one class at UCLA. I, actually, two classes at Cal State because I flunked both of them. But I also flunked one at UCLA, too. But the Cal State class was notable because I, I, ta- I went to an animation class that was taught by a man named Art Scott, who was one of Hanna-Barbera's director, producers, you know, sort of guy's big head honchos then. Mm-hmm. And we were, he was known for the fact that he would, come to he would come to Cal State Long Beach after working at Hanna-Barbera. And basically, he would bring down films of the old shows that hadn't been on TV for years. And I learned to run a projector so I could actually run the things for him. And it got to the point where we'd ask people in the class, well, who saw Huck Finn? My name would go up. Well, who saw this cartoon? My name would go up. Who saw? <laughs> we know you saw it. <laughs> and between him, he introduced me to um, Hanna-Barbera people plus knowing him. And then I went to a class at UCLA on Saturday morning television that was taught by a woman named Bonnie Dore. And it was through that class I met Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera. Hmm. And I took, I was creating my own characters even back then, making my own show, superheroes and cartoons, you know, Clue Club, you know, mystery, Scooby-Doo type of stuff. And I took my, I took my drawings to show Bill and Joe. And Bill was starting to run a training class to bring new animators into business. This was like 76. Okay. And Joe saw my stuff and said, why don't you bring them into our director's development? I think you could sell something to them. Hmm. So I went into the director's development, Dwayne Poole and Dick Robbins. And I, if there had been a record for that, I would have been the youngest guy to sell show concepts, the biggest deal on the planet at the time, because I went in there with seven show ideas, and I sold them three. Wow. They optioned three shows from me. And which ones and, were they? Which ones were um, they? Well, the concepts were, because of course they're mine now, um, one of them was a group of superheroines called the Barefoot Contessas. Mm. And one of the characters in particular, Bill latched on her me. He saw a picture of a girl I had named Quick Change Chick who, who had a, a button on her chest, not a chest, on her, on her belly button, that could give her 100 different costumes and different power to it. And he said, I like that push button chick. That one really grabbed him. <laughs> so another concept called Time Team to them. Another one called Cybernex, kind of playing off the whole bionic craze that was mm-hmm. going on after Dynamo had come out that year. And it was about a month before I turned before um, I turned eighteen. Wow! <laughs> and then Joe, listening um, Joe Barbera, he sent me over to talk to a guy. I don't know if you can do this type of language on this thing, but I don't care. A That's... guy named Harry Love, who was running the training program. Harry Love was a rat. 
There's another word after rap, but I think I'm like PG, so I'm not going to use that word. Okay. Darn it. <laughs> and uh, can you say bastard on this thing? If not, edit it out. Sure. Um, anyway, he was, he was that. Okay. <laughs> and I had called him a month before because I heard about the program. And so I like to come over. This is in October of that year, October 76. And I like to be training in your program. Or don't have many people coming in until next April. Clam. On the <laughs> phone. So I call again. And he says, don't you remember? I told you don't call to next Um, Joe Barbera says, come in, come in, come in, come in. <laughs> what a, what a weasel. Anyway, so I went in there, and because of that, I got into class there. And then they just started working on the all-new Super Friends. It wasn't even an hour show then. The show got picked up for a brand-new season after, partly because of the fact that Filmation was doing the new Avengers of Batman at that time, too. So it was like, uh-oh, we better get on the case here. So... They picked it up, and I started working for Hanna-Barbera uh, about two weeks before I turned 18. Mm. And I would have been one of the youngest guys that worked in the business at that time. So that's kind of how I got into kind of the long, loopy way of how I got. Oh, before that, one thing is quickly, real quickly, too. I ended up working for Filmation a year later. But in 1970, I was one of a group of kids that was in the audience that they shot for the live-action audience for the show Archie's Funhouse. I was going to ask you about that, because <laughs> I've heard that before, and I thought, is that how, wh- how you got in, or is that totally independent? I was independent, pretty much. I was, I was part of the thing when I was a screen, act- when I was a screen extra kid. A screen Children's Guild was what actually was called. It was actually a guild that put kids in shows and whatnot. And what it was was he got a, got a deal. The person that was supposed to go couldn't go. So they asked my mom, well, can you come up to San Diego? I said, well, my mom said, of course. So she drove up. It was a, it was a movie theater in San Diego. And it was, me, it was me and a bunch of kids. Lou's kids, Erica and Lane were there. Hal Sutherland's director of filmation, his kids were there. And a lot of other kids from, you know, they pretty much were ca- called for casting. We pretty much sat there and for about three days, sat in the seats, yelled, yay, Archie, and all that <laughs> sort of stuff, and looked at the blue screen and just yelled at it. <laughs> the thing kind of funny is Archie's Funhouse was actually – I think the second live-action animated show that was ever done for television. It was a Saturday morning show. Huck Finn came before that a couple of years before, but not many people did a show like that since. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it was a case where I never knew where Luke got there to make a making a live audience for Archie's stuff. But I mean, there's a, in fact, I don't know if you know, you probably know there's a book that just came out that um, we'll talk about, I guess, down the line called. Lou Scheimer creating the Filmation Generation. Yes. Yeah. That I was a major part of as far as editing, book, putting a lot of stuff in there. And there's a photo in there of me looking at hot dog dancing by. <laughs> now, I put in there a photo of me looking up Archie's legs, but some of them felt that it was not appropriate, I guess, so what the heck. <laughs> now, of course, we knew, we, knew, we knew he had nothing there. Captain Marvel, he had nothing there either, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, you, knew that, you know the story back in the old days, back in, in, the, in the Fawcett days, they actually had a running gag with Captain Marvel where they would actually sing a song, No balls, no balls, no balls at all. Captain Marvel has no balls at all. <laughs> I did not know that, actually. That's and ours did, and our, and our, none of our character did either. This is starting when the cartoons we're talking about. So there you go. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll move on to your, to your books. And the only reason I'm asking about the books is because mm-hmm. uh, they're two... Uh, excellent books. One on filmation, one on Alex Toth. I've been pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, yeah, and if Alex was alive, he'd kill you. <laughs> I mean, I'll, gi- I'll give you, I'll give you a fast story. Yeah. I mean, this is no lie. Paul Dini is an old friend of mine, wonderful guy. I've yeah. known him for years and years. He wanted Alex to do some stuff on the Batman series at one time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the mistake he made was he referred to him as Alex Tooth. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, Alex wanted to bite something on him. I mean, he's a real great guy, but he definitely had to think it's Toth. It's Toth. It is not Toth. It is not Tooth. It is Toth. Get it straight. <laughs> I will remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he will not come back after me as a zombie. Yeah, um. Well, not a zombie. Maybe as a ghost, but not a zombie. No, no, um. no, no zombies here. I can't deal with them. Okay. Letting it go on. But anyway, your two books, uh, they're very highly revered and highly sought after, and also out of print. Uh, uh, yes, they are. Either of them coming back? Well, animation by filmation, most likely not, because I don't know how graphic you can get with this, but I, of course I will. Mm-hmm. I did it with a guy who was a rat bastard. He was a guy I worked with named Michael Swanigan. Mm-hmm. I call him Swinegan. <laughs> he did a magazine called Toon Magazine, which I wrote pretty much every word of. 
Uh, he and misinformation I wrote every word of, except for the part on Jerry Lewis. To give an example of which, I showed this to a friend of mine, Andy Mangos, who I worked on with the um, with the Lou Scheimer book. Mm-hmm. The original entry from the Archie, he cribbed from some other book, uh. and it was like ran like maybe a six paragraphs. The Archie entry I wrote ran about five pages, with all kinds of detailed stuff and everything that you couldn't even figure out. I'll give you a better example of how this guy worked. It goes into the writing we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Tune Magazine, I think it was the Bill, Bill Hanna had done a book, and, he wrote, and I wrote a review on it, okay? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I left the magazine by this time when Joe Barbera came. I think it's, one of them came their book first. I don't have it in my head right now which came first, but Joe's book came out. Let's say for the sake of time, Joe's book came out. Right. In fact, I know it was Joe's book because of what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> he took the review I wrote of Bill Hanna's book, took all the names of Bill Hanna out and replaced them with Joe Barbera's name. <laughs> wow. Now, he, But here's the best part of that. This is why I remember this now. Because the very last line of the... No, no, no. This is Bill, no, this is Bill I'm switching around. It's Bill Hanna's thing. He took all the Joe Barbera lines out and put Bill Hanna's name because the very last line I wrote was, I'd love to hear Bill Hanna's side of the story, wouldn't you? Hmm. So if by taking out... Joe's name and putting in Bill's name, the entire interview we've got a review is Bill Hanna's book with the last line being, I want to hear Bill Hanna's side of the story. Wow. <laughs> that's how, that's what kind of a mind he had. And mm. it was, it, ironically though, it was partly because of him being such a sleazebag mm. that I got Alex to agree to do Toast by Design, which is a, kind of the funnier part of the thing. I tried for Alex, I tried for a number of years to get him to do a book with me on animation because I had all his model sheets, copies of them and everything. And I got them despite the best efforts of Jane Barbera, otherwise known as the daughter of Joe Barbera, otherwise known as Jane that came out of brain, who <laughs> did not like me Xeroxing Hanna-Barbera stuff the year I was working there. I came out of there with seven boxes of stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I was, I was an in-betweener there at the time. I got into animation later, and I got into layout later. But that year, first season, um, when we were doing Dynamite and Captain Caveman and Laugh Olympics and Scooby-Doo, I was assistant. I got to do some model design on the side, some layout on the side. But as each department got let go before me, they gave me their stuff because mm. I, I collected the stuff. Yeah. So I ended up having seven boxes of stuff. She had to make sure the security watched me leave. And if it hadn't been from, but she didn't want me copying the stuff. But Toast by Design would not have existed without me copying that stuff because I had copies that not many people had. Right. So with Alex, it's a case where it took a few years to kind of get his confidence. I have started. I mean, I, I worked with him at Hanna Barbera on Super Friends and Challenge of the Super Friends. Um, it was going through a freelance house called Love Hutton and Love, and because Bill Hutton was a big tote geek and I could work really fast, I was working at filmation staff at the time, and I'd go over to Studio City and pick up the layouts, and essentially I laid out all the Super Friends acts that Alex boarded. So we had a kind of relationship going there. But Alex can be a very prickly type of fella. We kind of lost touch at that point, and then I worked with a good friend of mine, Steve Rude, on consulting on the Space Ghost graphic novel he did for Comico mm-hmm. in 86. I sent Alex a copy of it, and I called Alex to see what he think of it, what he thought of it. Alex picks up the phone and goes, well, it would be nice if he wasn't ripping me goddamn off. Click. <laughs> it took five years, but I finally got back in touch with the guy, and we became a, had a relationship where for the next 15 years, he was probably the close. he was, he was my best friend. I was his best friend. I was the guy who kind of kept him in touch with the world and comic books and we talked about more than just um gee here's a noel sickles great uh, how about that space ghost mm-hmm. uh gee, how's it working like you know with, with milton kniff it's like i talked about everything with him mm-hmm. and he it's like and he knew that i knew just about everything he'd ever want to know he would go out the first hand he'd go you keep a lot of stuff in that brain of yours don't you all <laughs> the useless crap don't you and then two minutes and then two minutes later he'd go like what do you know about this person here i said oh you mean stuff inside my brain of useless crap <laughs> he'd go touche so we'd go on back and forth but what happened was that because I left Toon Magazine I made a further proposal to him and he was impressed and we started going back and forth and talking and eventually we decided to go ahead and he said let's do this and the thing that happened that was really cool was that in 1996 I'll tell you, I'll tell you part of what made this thing happen too if you, you read the book haven't you um, I have seen it. I actually don't own a copy. I have a friend of mine. Okay. <laughs> so I okay, flipped well, through it and looked, poured over the pictures. So that's what well, I there's, Well, there's a, chapter, there's a chapter in there on the art of the storyboard. 
And what happened was that I, I managed to talk Alex into doing an article on storyboards because it was very good stuff. Swine decided he could edit this thing. <laughs> now, Swine couldn't edit water out of a faucet. <laughs> he had that much intelligence going with him. So I wasn't going to edit Alex Toth. Are you, you know, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so I kept it. And that's what the whole book got built around, that whole particular piece there. He went back and forth. He, 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 I sent him questions. He wrote you know, a lot of dissertation. I added a lot of my stuff to it, combined it with the models, combined it with presentation copies I had and things. And the whole book came in shape in 1996. Now, I didn't know he was doing another book with a guy named Manuel Awad called Alex Tote, which is about his comic book stuff. But fortunately, both books kind of crossed a certain point and then didn't have to go any further. So... I did the book. It came out. It got nominated for an Eisner Award, which I'm very proud of. Although I told Alex the other books in the category, including a book done by Will Eisner, he <laughs> said, "The fix us in, kid." <laughs> and sure enough, that that year, Will Eisner won his own award. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> wow. But here's but here's the thing about the book, because you're kind of wondering, I guess, what's going on with it. I when I first put the book out. That was when nobody really knew who Alex Toth was as far as fans knowing he did stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had 5,000 copies printed. I put out four. I've had, I just got to do a little story about it. It's kind of a little Toth behind the thing. San Diego Comic-Con, Bud Plant. Um, the books are just coming off the printer over here. In a, it was a printer in Glendale. And I took 75 copies down to the con on Thursday. Well, they sold out of Bud Plants by the end of the day. Mm. But can you get some more? I decided to go back, so I went back here to uh, L.A. where I live and got another 200 copies, got them out there Saturday. They were gone by the convention, mm-hmm. and the book did very well to the envy of many people, including one Mr. Swine. So, um, <laughs> but there are 1,000 copies I still have. Mm. They are in a secret underground location being guarded by my close friend Dick Cheney. <laughs> and um, basically, because I'm, 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 I'm a conservative Republican, I let that be known to a lot of people, especially with drug years in the office right now, but that's just me. So um, <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's going to be there for a reason. I'm, I'm keeping it held there. And when I eventually get the time to put everything together with it, I'm going to restrip the books and bring it back out as a hardcover hmm. with a lot of material that people have never seen before. And it even goes to people who are doing the other tote book at the other place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it will have stuff that will be brand new stuff that Alex and I took. Because we spent, during the time that he was at home and until the time he passed, we talked. Do you, one thing you like to remember, we talked about new stuff. So we didn't just talk about the old stuff all the time. We worked up a lot of characters together. I would come up with a character and he'd come and give me his ideas about his thoughts. He liked the fact that he still felt like he was doing something. And people asked him for his opinion. But the thing about the work between me and him is the fact that I did, everybody wanted him to draw something. Mm-hmm. Can you draw this story here? Can you draw a story here? He didn't want to do that. <laughs> so me, it's like, here's an idea, Alex. What do you think about it? I kind of like this. Let's, you can do this. Let's do this. Let's go back and forth. Let's do this. In fact, one show I'm working on right now was the last thing we talked about before Alex died. Because I was the last person to see him. I saw him the Thursday of the week he died, and he passed the next day. Mm. And one of the shows I'm working on right now is one that we talked about. So um, it's going to be a cool thing when the stuff I'm, I'm pushing it, I'm developing it for various things we can talk about later on. Okay. But um, well, so well, I wanted to thank you. I know we're running out of time here. But oh, we are. Don't yeah, it? yeah, it goes yeah, fast. Yeah, I knew I knew this wouldn't be a problem as far as time is <laughs> yeah. with me. But like, uh, Alex, Alex, Alex has always say, you know, ask me what time I'll tell you how the watch is built. So okay, um, I would wanted to know if there's a way people can contact you or if you have a website to plug. Well, I um, I kind of keep to myself right now. I kind of want to keep stuff on the down low until I actually get things going with it. Okay. I will tell you that right now I'm working on a number of web series right now, actually a number of mobile series. I'm planning on launching a mobile phone channel in late spring, and I'm doing a number of projects for it. One of them is a web live action kind of a homage to the movie serials I'm crazy about called The Adventures of Caitlin Kitty Cat K. A.K.A. K.K.K. Mm-hmm. And I run that joke a lot throughout the whole 12 chapters there. <laughs> um, a, a very sweet girl I know is the star of it. I got a bunch of other people to act in it, too. Her best friend is in it. And um, Gary Owens is the narrator of it, cool. the voice of Space Ghost, dear old friend of mine. Uh, Lou Scheimer did a voice part for me for it. 
And the way it's looking, I'm going to probably debut the entire series just after San Diego. I'm going to do a free preview, and I'll put more details on about that as time goes on. I do have a Facebook page for Adventures of Kate and Kitty Cat Kane. As more information comes down on that show, information will be available there. I'm also putting together a couple of other series of live, ones live action, ones animated. Gary's doing the voice of the lead character, which is a character I have talked about, Alex told about, a guy named Mr. Clift. And that's all I pretty much say about that concept. So he's doing the voice of that for me. It's going to be an animated concept, a live-action concept, and a bunch of pretty much just um, some of them doing directly for mobile phones and for iTab, uh, iTablets and iPads, things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of it when it comes to technology, but I'm working with people know what they're doing. Okay. So, <laughs> and that's where that's always going. So it'll start coming out um, this coming spring. It's going to be a subscription-based project. In fact, I'm ripping off an old thing from an old fan movie a long time ago, which is you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll kiss three bucks goodbye. <laughs> and that's how that's going to be going with that. So I'm working on those projects. And I also write various things. I still draw. I, um, but this is where most of my time is, creating all this new material, which I get to own, which I get to control. In fact, I, in fact, I, I, I worked with my friend Steve Rudy. just had a book come out, Dollar Bill, from, um, from D.C., and there is a character in there that I said, who's this character? And he goes, I just popped him in there. I said, well, it's <laughs> mine now. So we're, I'm doing a new character based on that because I used to know Jack Kirby. I worked on Space Ghost and um, Hercules the Space Stars with him. Mm-hmm. And he called me Black Jack, not because I drew like him, because I fought like him. <laughs> he said you, said, you are an idea machine. In fact, mm-hmm. i got to say this real fast. We, he was working with Ruby Spears and Hanna-Barbera, too. And he brought a presentation piece in for a show that we were, he was working up. I brought some drawings for I was working up. They're both the same idea. <laughs> it's like, how does this happen? But mm-hmm. I just, I'm an idea machine. I cannot stop. I want to go stop where I think of something else again. Well, we've run out of time, so, but I want to thank you for joining us today, Daryl. Well, thank and you much for the privilege. I, sure. really, I really get a kick out of this. I knew this wouldn't be short because <laughs> this is just how I am. Yes. Anytime you want to do a day of programming to me, trust me, I'll give you a day's worth of stuff. Sounds great. <laughs> well, okay. I thank you very much. You're and welcome. If you want to comment uh, on the show, uh, you can always email me at mark at thegeekspeakshow.com. You can hear the complete story behind the stories by going to funideas.50webs.com. That's 50webs.com. Funideas.50webs.com. The stories behind the stories. Exclusively on The Geek Speak Show. Okay, let's continue speaking geek on the Geek Speak Show. And I think we're pretty good at doing that, all right, Rachel? Yes, we are. We're the experts. So that was Mark Arnold with his stories behind the stories. A lot of stories behind those stories this, this time around. A good interview for, the, for that one, uh, Mark. So we were talking uh, conventions. It is pretty much convention time now. We've had Emerald City. Um, there's like three, I think, that I mentioned earlier in the show. And, of course, WonderCon happens at the end of the month. We're all, we're all going to be there. You're probably going to be there, too. It doesn't matter. That's not in San Francisco. It was fun. Those of you who went, you got to admit, it was funner than when it was in San Francisco. But maybe it'll come back next year. But we're going to be there. Um, cosplaying, like I said, is one of the big things that happens at most of these conventions. Rachel does that. She's going to do that at WonderCon. Again, we're not going to tell you exactly what it is. You're going to have to look for her. She'll Whatever the costume is, you're probably going to have the, the Geek Speak t-shirt because we have those finally. You're probably going to have it over, so that's how you'll know, hey, that must be <laughs> Rachel. But Or attached somehow. Let's Let's go with that. Yeah, we'll put a sign like it used to say, kick me. This one will say, geek inside. Um, but there are some rules to cosplaying, I think. And each convention there, there does are. have their own. So since you do it, go ahead and tell people some do's and don'ts, some ideas if, if, in case they're thinking, maybe I want to dress up. How should I dress up? So go Well, ahead and-, it, and there's there's a difference between like actual rules and then like the ones that like we just all kind of silently agree on. Um, so for, for example, you need to check weapons. Uh, they started doing that, uh, last year at conventions. I'm, I'm sure that there was a couple who did it before. Um, but if you do have like a gun or, or something that looks realistic, um, there's sure definitely, yeah, make sure don't bring a real <laughs> one. Come on guys, but fake guns, you can paint them to look real like I do, which is really fun. Uh, but generally you have to check them in. So they have to make sure that they're just a toy. And then um, what they started doing last year was putting like a little orange tag on it. So that way, if you um, were carrying it around, you could tell that it was fake right off the bat. Um, Or right right down the barrel of a gun, they'd have you paint orange on the inside. So there's a couple things that you might have to do before you actually show up to the convention. So you definitely want to check 
uh, WonderCon, uh, the website, or any other convention that you're going to, and see what the qualifications are and, and like what you have to do. Well, the main so, thing with that is you should follow the Christmas story rule. You know, it, you know what Ralphie was told in, in Christmas story. You're going to poke your eye out with that thing with with the the BB gun that he wanted. If it, if your gun, if it's a fake one, the toy but is a fake one. If your if your gun shoots stuff and you can possibly poke somebody's eye out, don't don't bring it. L- leave it at home or don't whatever it shoots out. Leave that at home too, because yeah. You will be told to please leave the convention center. Uh, also, swords, you know, they're, they're kind of po- pokey. We had an incident at Comic-Con a couple years ago. That's probably what led to all these new rules. Yo, there's always an incident that leads to these. Also, if you have like a large costume, you know, that either it has like stuff sticking out of it or, or something that kind of takes up more space than just around your general person, you probably need somebody to go with you because when you get into these larger conventions, you're going to need someone to like make the wave so you can walk. Otherwise, people will destroy your costume and you don't want that. Or you can so. hit people with them and they just turn around. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Optimus Prime coming through. I have seen that before. You have to look out. Um, but some of those rules that are kind of like unspoken, um, you, it's open to everyone depending on the con, right? So, so less, um, popular conventions, uh, people just dress up in, in towels and call themselves Jedi or, you know, they, they put a mask on that's from Kmart and then they're like, Oh, look, I'm dressed up too. Um, but when you go to the larger ones, um, if you, if you're not going to put some effort into it and make it look fairly decent at least have all the pieces to be recognizable as that costume or whatever honestly don't do it It, it, wear your fanboy t-shirt instead and and call it good but you got to put some effort into that costume if you're going to show up at these big ones because when you get there you're going to be like why why did i do that because everything is so amazing and so detailed so that's just that's just advice for everybody definitely plan it out start now and and put some work into it because now, I've asked this before when we had him on the show. Our, our couple of friends who cosplay all the time, Yaya Han, you guys know her, and Vampy here in the Bay Area, they both cosplay at just about every. You see them at Comic Con all the time. Um, they they talked about being a girl cosplayer and the rules that guys should follow. You've done it yourself. Last I checked, you're a girl, right? Uh, that's true. <laughs> so, what are things that, that girls who cosplay should look out for and tell guys, look, Hands off, don't touch me here, don't do this. What what are some of those rules that guys should know? Well, so there, there's a lot of costumes that obviously have open back or bare back, right? Because that's like the whole point of the female comic book characters is you get to see some skin. So when Or even in the, your universe, I'm thinking the Slave Leia costume. Well, ex- exactly. So there you go. There, there's another one. And people want to take pictures with you, which is totally cool. And half of the reason why we do this, right? So we can show off our costume. But... If you come take a picture with somebody, you can't be a creeper. You can't like put your hand like in all the weird places and you can't like be too close. You need to be respectful because the minute you say, hey, can I have a picture? And all of a sudden your arm is all around that person. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. Go away. So no creepers. Let's let's be professional here for the picture for the cosplayers. Yeah. So don't touch people. I mean, you, it happens that right across the street, Disneyland, they go through this all the time. People who dress up as Mickey oh, and all I that. Bet. They have some horror stories. They might be the happiest place on earth, but not if you're inside one of those costumes. So just watch your hands. That's all. Hand, you know, same policy you guys follow in real life. Hands off. Same thing there at conventions. So that's yeah. that. Um, speaking of, if you're going to go to, if you want to be part of the, because uh, like WonderCon though, has a big, huge one. The, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The cosplay contest? Yeah, is that what they're called? The the masquerade they call it in WonderCon. But yeah, I guess the cosplay contest thing. And if you want to do that, obviously you have to put a bit more thought into it. So, what are some things they they should do? Should follow if they want to win? At least, if maybe not first place, but at least second, third place. So, most people that sign up for those obviously have all the detail in their costumes, right? Or their movie quality, or or there's something nobody has seen before and have wanted to see in like a real life costume so when you're going to enter into one of these things if if you have something um that has is popular like say you're going to be um wonder woman or you know you're going to be um uh, i don't know someone from star wars which obviously is all over the place right now then you need to either do something a little bit different like making it more realistic or or changing it up a little so it's something that nobody's seen before um 
or you need to do it as um, as a group. So you have like two people as um, a, as an entry or like a, there were two little kids that were baby Wookiees. But not only did they have like the, the furry costume and, and the um, face mask and all of that stuff, but they had like little crossbows and little uh, little things dragging behind them. And they so the spoke Wookiee. It was so cute. And the <laughs> fact that they had everything, you know what I mean? Like not just all oh, they're in a little furry costume made them actually win for their, their age group. So, yeah, you, you have to do it a little bit different or a little bit better than everyone else. Yeah, and I mean, those of you who went last year, went to the uh, the masquerade at, at WonderCon, there were two, I don't know if you went Rachel, last year, there were two that were really, really good. One was the Mortal Kombat was reenacted. There were like seven actors out there. Then another one, it was Sith versus Jedi. There was one. There was like two Sith and about 18, literally 18 Jedis on stage. And it looked, it looked like a scene out of Attack of the Clones where at the end of Geonosis Arena when the lightsabers just, they all came up, the crowd went wild. And, and, and things like that really, obviously, really get you noticed. So, so put well, some, like you said, put some creativity into it. Yeah, even at Celebration, right, when I, I went to the um, one there, and some of the people that won were like, somebody did a Darth Maul, but they did the bio Maul, like, from the Clone Wars. So he had, like, propeller, like, bouncy mechanical feet, and he was, like, running through the convention, you know, sitting on his knees on these mechanical feet, but he actually rigged them to work. So he won for, for that, and it was just something that you didn't expect to see. Yeah, I always wonder how, how are these people not hired by by movie studios to to do all the effects? <laughs> Don't they see all the creativity that goes into just the costume? Actually, I think some of them are. I've heard crazy stories of things like that. So yeah, put work into it, and you never know who might be watching. Well, yeah, I mean Holly Conrad from the from uh, the, uh, the from Morgan Spurlock's Comic Con movie. She she actually is was hired through by that, uh, and she's she's doing it. She's doing movie effects now, which you know she started just as a cosplayer like like you did. So so. Rachel could be the next one who's going to be working on a certain series of movies coming in 2015. Uh-huh. Oh, ho, ho. So those are a little things to watch out for and to keep in mind if you're going to cosplay. If it's your first time, just go out there, have fun. Don't be scared. I mean, you're among family, seriously. At places like Comic-Con, WonderCon, things like that, you're among family. Nobody's going to laugh at you. So go out. Those are, those are a few things to look out for. And use your resources. Go go on places like Etsy or eBay and, and find a couple pieces to your costume to make it go over that mark and be you know fairly legit. I was going to say, actually, is would that be a better idea to, to, to buy the thing made or make it yourself? It depends. I mean, if, if you're good at making it yourself, of course, that's always more gratifying and, and awesome. Um, but like for me, I can't sew and I wanted a custom you know, costume. So I went on Etsy and found somebody that takes custom orders. You can't you know sew, I mean? so, so you found somebody to make it sew. <laughs> I exactly. get it. Exactly. But then you can make the rest of it, you know, if you have, you know, belts or, you know, guns or weapons or something yourself. And it's still cool. All right, so that's what's happening. Again, all those conventions are coming up, going to end up with WonderCon. We're all going to be there. You're all going to be there. We'll see you there. Let's take a little break. Let's have Jay commentate on comics, and then we'll come back and talk about Joel's favorite subject. No, not that. Books. (laughs) Comics Commentary with Jay Gibbs on the Geek Speak Show. Oh, my God, you guys. Grant Morrison just killed a 10-year-old boy. Okay, maybe that's a bit harsh of a hyperbole, but Damian Wayne, the biological son of Batman, Bruce Wayne, and of Talia al Ghul, has been killed off for real with the release of Batman Incorporated number 8 that came out last week. Otherwise, I'd be all spoilers, but I don't have to, because you're all caught up, right? Uh... Anyway, I'm here to do a post-mortem, discuss my personal feelings, let it all out on the matter, and rant in my typical fangirl style. Mostly, we're gathered here today to mourn the loss of a fictional character. Robin, the boy wonder, is no more. Now, it can certainly be argued that the Bat-Brat Damien has always been Grant Morrison's signature character, or at least his sole intellectual property, as Morrison created the Damien we know uh, today in the 1996 storyline Son of the Demon, beginning with the one-off Batman and Son, which was Batman number five, uh, sorry, number 658. This is only contested in so much as Morrison first wrote Damien as the result of Talia actually raping Bruce. She drugged him and had sex with him while he was unconscious. And for obvious reasons, that's been retconned uh, out of the the official DC canon um, in any references to Damien or his past since then. 
Uh, Morrison was also the author of Isn't This Precious? Batman number 666 in 2007, which depicted a future wherein Damien had grown up and actually become the Batman. So now my question to Morrison is, how does that work? You created a character designed to make us hate him because he's a violent sociopath with a huge ego, and then you make us hate ourselves for hating him because he's just a little boy who wants to understand his enigmatic father and be just like him. But the point is, is it just sloppy writing for Morrison to invent such an obvious plot hole? Damien can't grow up to be Batman if he was killed when he was 10 years old by, get this, a cloned version of himself as an adult calling himself the heretic. And what bothers me most about all of this is that I didn't get to read it firsthand. To me, this all happened off panel. I fell in love with Damien, uh, this little miscreant Robin, in the pages of post-52 reboot Batman and Robin, especially the annual that came out in January of this year, written by Peter A. Tomasi. And in that, Damien sends Bruce and Alfred on a trip through Europe to get in touch with the Wayne family heritage, while at the same time, this kid has fashioned himself a little bitty bat suit and saved Gotham from burning to the ground while his dad is out of town. It's, it, it made Damien one of my favorite characters in the New 52, uh, only surpassed by Jason Todd and his crew in Red Hood and the Outlaws. My point in this is that I was both thrilled and hugely disappointed when nobody in the Bat family actually died during the epic storyline Death in the Family. Um, so I was utterly blindsided when, uh, when spoilers for the covers of various Bat books started breaking all over the internet uh, as drawn by Chris Burnham that featured various characters in the Bat family in mourning with an actual Robin, the bird, somewhere in the picture. I didn't read Batman Incorporated because I thought it was about other Batmen around the world. Most people thought that. At least I thought most people thought that. And I thought it focused on the African Batwing character, who I didn't know had his own book. Uh, I thought that by reading a book titled Batman and Robin, I'd be getting the whole Batman and Robin storyline. What a wacky idea. I thought that the entire Damien character arc would be in there. Now I can't even buy Batman Inc. number 8 in which Damien is killed because it's sold out everywhere and it's going for a lot more than retail on places like eBay. I'm upset that Grant Morrison is retiring soon and he decided to take his own unresolved issues out on readers before he left. He's said in interviews explicitly that he used his own parents' divorce as a reference while writing this storyline. And I'm sad that there's an inexcusable plot hole, and I'm sad that this kind of sensationalism sells more books instead of less books for DC and for Morrison himself. But most of all, I sit saddened in the studio today wearing my Robin costume t-shirt that I was wearing on Halloween 2010 when my husband proposed to me, um, and my son was dressed as Batman, and he was all little and adorable and Batman-like, and I think, bring Robin back. Bring back Damian Wayne. He's a good kid. He deserved better. So now they have three options. They can use the tired old Lazarus Pit excuse and resurrect Damian and make him 100% Jason Todd 2.0. Or they can keep him dead for a while, say two, three years, and use Batman and Robin to introduce a quote-unquote new Robin, aka spoiler, maybe bring back a reboot here to for unmentioned Stephanie Brown, which would be awesome, maybe even use Cassandra Kane finally in Batman Incorporated. Or they can just show the aftermath and then unceremoniously cancel both of these books that the Robin character was an integral part of. I don't really find any of these options all that satisfying as a fan. So damn you, Grant Morrison. Damn you, sir. Of course, I had other things to talk about over the past two weeks in both the DC and Marvel universes and uh, independent comics. I had good things, good things to say. But now I'm so sad and tired, I don't want to go on. So I'll see you next Wednesday because Wednesday is still New Comic Book Day. Good night and good luck. It's time for the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Uh-huh. Our books are graphic novels. Tell us what your favorites are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. And it is time for books the book books, club. Books and books and books. That's true. 
which is Joel's favorite part of the day, of course, right, Joel? Yeah. The, the excitement <laughs> is contagious. Yes, I know. Um, but I have a cool book today, so uh, I'm going to start if you guys don't mind. He's speechless with excitement. We don't mind. <laughs> we never mind. You do. You go, girl. You go, girl. Oh, thank you. I got this. I got this. Okay, so mine is called The Geeks Shall Inherit the Earth. Um <gasps> Yeah, and so it kind of goes with our little intro, right? And everything we've been talking about for the last year as far as how geek culture is taking over the world. Um, but this one is, uh, from from what I've read so far, it's going to be kind of for um, maybe our younger generation mm-hmm. and the people that are still getting made fun of, right? Like it, it breaks it down as far as um, a bunch of different smaller stories. And it goes through all the things we already know. Um, stuff for truths like uh, being popular is not the same as being liked Um, and that high school sometimes is worse than being in the military Um, and that people are excluded always for their offbeat uh, likes or passions um, rather than the people that conform to whatever is is popular or going on so it addresses people like um, the nerd the new girl the gamer the band geek uh, loners everybody it has a little story even the joke even ooh, ooh, we could we could there enter can a only be one jewel. <laughs> well, thank and God for their favors. So um, it's what they say, of course, in, in it is it's just the essential um, for anyone or any teenager um, that's going through you know kind of being the outcast. But really, all the truths are for all of us because at some point in our lives, every one of us has been on the outside looking in, and it kind of just walks you through it. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's by Alexander Robbins, and I think it's pretty cool. So you know, check it out. Now, where was this book when I was in high school? This is I what know. I needed. <laughs> I know like, that's what I thought when I first saw it. It's like the It Gets Better project, but for geeks. I know. So no, seriously, I, thought, I, th- I I was like you just said, Rachel. It was I thought it was on the outside looking in because like everybody likes Star Wars. Why are you guys making funny? Why are you beating me up because I'm carrying a lightsaber? So what, what was this book? So anyway, whoever wants to take take it, take it. I'll go second because I guess my book's kind of similar to uh, what oh. Except with pictures was saying. Yeah, but there are pictures because <laughs> it's a graphic novel again. This one's American Born Chinese by San Francisco's Gene Yang. It's uh, the story of three Chinese tales. And um, it's we got the first story. It's about... You can tell I read this right. <laughs> it's about, fortune cookies, Joel. It's about it actually has pictures all over yeah. the place. It's about one kid. His name is Jin Yang, and he pretty much moves into a. He's Chinese American, but he's, you know, he just moved into a city that has no other Chinese Americans in it. So he gets bullied, like you were talking about earlier, and he goes through okay. some stuff, and then he finds that out that he falls in love with an all-American girl. Second story is about. The Monkey King and how the Monkey King is one of the oldest and greatest of all Chinese fables. And I like then, that story. Yeah. Played by Jackie Chan, by the way. But the Monkey King <laughs> doesn't want to be a monkey. He wants to be hailed as a god. And then there's played a, by Jet Li. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> my brother. My brother. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and there's a uh, brother. <laughs> the third story is about this dude. His name is Chin Ki, and he's pretty much the ultimate stereotype of Chinese Americans. And he's ruining his cousin Danny's life. However, the three stories do intersect with a crazy twist at the end. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and I, so, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know. And I also want to just bring it up because of, uh, you know, last month was Chinese New Year's. Oh, getting up? some culture up in here. Wait, you didn't bring his Chinese food or fortune cookies? Dude, it's in the uh, it's in the car. Let me just go to my car real quick. <laughs> but not the ones from three months ago. <laughs> okay, Jay, go ahead. Ew. Yours. Ew. Uh, okay, speaking of, of geeks <laughs> up and coming and inheriting and taking over the world, um, I have legendary Neil Gaiman's The Books of Magic, the, the first volume. This is sort of the introduction to it. And this is the oh, By the way, you have to officially say his name that way? Yeah, you The do. legendary <laughs> Neil Gaiman. My brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love me some Neil. I really, really do. Um, anyway, it's got an introduction by Roger Zelaney, and it's illustrated by John Bolton, Scott Hampton, Charles Vess, and Paul Johnson. We shouldn't tell Jay that Neil Gaiman's going to be at WonderCon. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Not that kind of show. Stop it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My squee got in the way of my professionalism. Um, it'll never happen again. <laughs> Except she's when he's in front of you. <laughs> I she's so flustered right now. I I make he's he's my celebrity crush. 
I, well, wait a minute. You I have a new one so every much. week. That's a. But yeah, he does write books, true. right? Yeah, yeah, he writes books. He's <laughs> he's a word artist. He paints me a story in my he, mind. I, I believe they're called wordsmiths. Wordsmith. <laughs> Can't even talk now. Yeah, but anyway, try to talk and finish. I've, I've fallen all to pieces. Anyway, uh, it was one of the Older best-selling Joel. sort of cult books by the Vertigo Ugh. line of DC. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your faces. Don't make fun of my oh, fan Oh, Jake, tell me, tell me why I want to read this book. I'm uh, excited now. Do you like Harry Potter? I do. Uh, do you like the Vertigo line of DC Comics? Do you like Zatanna and Constantine and stuff like that? I of course do. I do. This combines all of those into one thing, but it was before Harry Potter existed. It's about oh, okay. a young man named Tim Hunter, who is a British preteen at the beginning of the story with kind of a bull haircut and dorky glasses. <laughs> um, and uh, he turns out to be the most powerful wizard in the world. And so everybody who has magical abilities wants a piece of him, either to destroy him or to use him to their own ends. So some people are trying to protect him and some people are trying to train him to be like their dark Sith apprentice, basically. Another book about my life. And the art in this uh, collection is outstanding. It's got almost a photo reel um, bits and pieces to it, but it's also got moments that are kind of grotesque and beautiful at the same time. And uh, it's it's a really intense story. And if you're coming of age, or if you've ever come of age, then it's a wonderful allegory for that really awkward time in your life when you're a young British wizard. Awesome. <laughs> I guess I'm the three of our books are similar in themes, I guess. So those yeah. are your books. I don't have one this week because I've been a little busy getting stuff ready for WonderCon. So the, actually, that's my book. That, the, uh, the See, rules you don't read. Con. You don't read. And you say, I don't read. I do read. <laughs> How do you think I know how to what on and off means? <laughs> board here, but um, like I said, that that's my book. Then the WonderCon rules and all that stuff we have to follow. I'll I'll, I'll uh, preach to all of you what those rules are after we finish preach. the show. But that's my, that's my book then. So that uh, yours, you can send them books at thegeekspeakshow dot com. Books at thegeekspeakshow dot com can be like Joel, just all pictures or like us <laughs> words because you actually know how to read. Where's Waldo is the book? That's the Geekspeak Show Book Club. Tell us what your favorite books or graphic novels are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. All right, so I think I just said that, books at thegeekspeakshow.com. So let's do TV talk, which is, uh, I guess this is the last week we can really just call it AMC's Walking Dead talk, because that's all we, <laughs> that's back. Graham returns this Friday. Uh, Revolution, uh, Rachel mentioned it uh, earlier at the Paley Fest. They return in about a week and a half from now. Falling Skies comes back. Arrows on um, some of some Game of, of the uh, other genre shows are coming. Oh also. yeah, Game of Thrones that comes. Oh yeah, we, we, you mentioned all the time when you're geeking out. I guess you're really looking forward to that one. Huh? Oh yeah, and Vikings. If you watch History Channel, Vikings came out. Actually, I saw a promo for that. It looks pretty good, dude. Is that right? And so is the, and so is the Bible. You know? Yeah, when, yeah. When, the when Bible that. is actually a pretty pretty that's, tight. That's out now. Yeah, it's been out for. I think like 2,000 years actually yeah, the Bible. Like but, I'm talking about the History Channel's rendition of it okay but really quick um, Rachel we're not going to ask you because we, we all know already but you two what do you think of AMC's The Walking Dead oh my god best episode ever Morgan see, <laughs> Morgan's lost his mind see Rachel you keep, you keep hearing us say that and that still doesn't get you excited every week turns out to be the best episode ever oh that was the best episode no that was the best episode ever see how good this show is uh-huh. Do you hear? Do you hear? <laughs> Once again, the enthusiasm is contagious. Oh, wink, wink, uh-huh. everybody be here. How about that that walker that came out with the lightsaber, the red one? <laughs> <laughs> now nah, you want to watch it? That'll, that'll be in the movie at the end of the ninth season. Palpatine, Spoiler alert. Pal- Palpatine, Walker. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of, we got to do this Star Wars rumors. There's, there's one that came out that I just read. I think it was on Collider or on one of those or Geek Tyrant. Walter. Is rumored to be playing the villain in Star Wars Episode Seven. Really, I haven't what? heard that. But uh, the rumor, like I said, Carrie Fisher has signed on. Yes, she's coming back. Princess Leia in the house. Mm-hmm. Now, and then see Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. and we're all set. Doesn't matter who else is in, it, as well, long as everybody's there. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to have Harrison Ford, they're obviously going to have Carrie Fisher, and well, yeah, they're obviously going to have Mark Hamill. So I thought we we're talking about Walking Dead. <laughs> you always brought the Star. You always bring the Star Wars out. <laughs> Thank you, hey, Robert Kirkman. You know, Does he back. look like a Sith? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he smells like Sith. So, <laughs> yes, but Walking the Dead, dead do, is dope. Yes. It's, it's yeah, it is, it is getting better. Um, the um, reason this was particularly my favorite is that it was the most direct and most pragmatic adaptation from book to screen of all of the episodes so yeah, far. Yeah, gotta agree with that. And, and Carl, dude. Carl. Michonne finally got to do something. Exactly. Yeah, Michonne's turning into a person. Also, there's the meme going around on Facebook and stuff like that. Michonne, better mom in five seconds than Lori was in two seasons. Which, by the way, is Thumbs up. true. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> I approve this message. <laughs> Her name is Jay Gibbs and she approves this message. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Well, Michonne has a sword, so. Michonne is a sword. <laughs> Michonne, Michonne Short. What? Thanks, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like I said, uh, uh, what do you call it? Grimm is coming back th- this uh, Friday. Once Upon a Time is going on. That's Rachel's new new show. Uh, Clone yeah, Wars is still I like that show. When is the uh, season finale for Clone Wars? Speaking, it of? was just this past weekend. What, what? Well, that's spoiling too much in case you haven't seen it yet. It's still on your DVR. What happened? Oh, how do I how do I say this without spoiling it? Okay, so basically something happens with Ahsoka. Yeah, so we we've all been wondering what's what's going to happen with her, and um, Can I just asked that it's, last time. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, and um, the cray the cray. person that also something happens to uh, has fans a, a little in an uproar. So this you have to watch this because it's changing everything again. That awesome. was beautiful. Well done. She did it. J.J. Abrams would be proud. You gave nothing away. <laughs> you yes. did it. You finally did it. So that's the show for this week. Uh, most of it was taken up by Mark Arnold. Good, on, good interview on that one. You know, talk Super Friends, Scooby-Doo, all, all the cartoons that we grew up watching. Point now it. you know the stories behind those stories. So come on back next week. We'll speak more geek. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it just come on back in, anyway because it's always fun anyway. It's what you do. What else would you do? Bye. The Geek Speak Show will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, follow them on Twitter at Geek Speak Show 1. That's the number one. Become a fan on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Watch special event coverage and the Geek Speak Video Show on YouTube slash Geek Speak Videos. And listen to past shows in the archive section on thegeekspeakshow.com. A big thank you to the Geek Speak Show's content providers, geektyrant.com, collider.com, ramascreen.com, and mightyville.com. The Geek Speak Show.